Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, another win for the Phoenix Suns last night. Final hour of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. They're 7-0 with Kevin Durant. They have won six straight overall. They've locked up the four seed in the playoffs. They've got three games left in Wolf. Tom Chambers, Suns broadcaster Tommy. and Suns legend, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Tom, thanks for the time. How you doing? I'm doing great. The sun's out. It's not so windy today, you know. I'm kind of a guy that doesn't sit inside very often. <laughs> I'm with you on the wind. I hate the Tommy, wind. Tommy, <laughs> uh, I, I saw the headband. You had the headband. Uh, how, oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? Uh, that had to feel good, right? A little a little uh, ch- chicanery before the broadcast. That felt really good. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Sophie's great. She makes us do things we normally wouldn't do. Because I'm one of those old school guys. I would never have wore a headband. <laughs> I think that came out of my mouth. And so she brought them and kind of, I don't know, she kind of browbeat me into doing it. But, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. She's brought some life to the show, that's for sure. Well, I tell you, just in general, it feels like this This has felt like two or three different seasons, at least from my perspective. I, I don't know about for you, but it does. it's good to be having the most fun at the right time, right? Well, it is. It absolutely is. Unfortunately, other teams having the most fun at the right time, too, that we worry about a little bit. But, yeah, to keep it you know, on the Suns, I, it's awesome. I mean, guys are back. Guys are healthy, um, playing well. I mean, we don't lose with KD seemingly. Um, I just think it is coming from so many different areas. And whenever you try to say, okay, well, we're not having good first quarters, then you have last night. When you're not having this, then you have, you know, the bench. is with busy the way he's been playing. And Torrey Craig coming off the bench. So, yeah, all of the boxes are getting checked at uh, just the right time, you would hope. So, Tommy, how would you approach these last three games if you were Monty Williams? Well, you want to you want to give guys an opportunity. You also want to make sure that the, your main guys are are healthy and fresh. I don't I don't believe in sitting them entirely, but it sure would be nice if they do. You know what they've done with the Spurs quickly, and, and even have the guys sitting out in the fourth quarter in these last few games. But if nothing can be you know really accomplished other than just making sure they're you know playing as well as they possibly can play, I mean I think the minutes will probably go down, and 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 the guys may even sit one out. You know um, we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. But I like them to be fresh and ready and on point. But man, oh man. You know, we've seen Chris get hurt. We've seen Devin get hurt. We've seen, we've seen uh, you know, DeAndre get hurt, and obviously KD. So we certainly don't want to have any of that happen. Talking to Tom Chambers, uh, Tom. Everybody said, you know, Kevin Durant. The second he steps in, he's going to fit in seamlessly. But are are you surprised at all how well everybody else has fit in around him in those seven games? You know, he's so good. I mean, I mean, like so, like so, so good. You know. He just he he does it so effortlessly, seemingly. Except for the one game he pressed here at home, his first home game here. But I, I'm not surprised because wherever he goes, whatever he does, he does that. When he's changed teams, he's done that. You know, in the Olympics, are you kidding me? In the Olympics, he carried Team USA on his back. You know, for for a victory. So he does that. I mean, that's just what KD is and what KD is all about. So. Uh, does it surprise me a little bit? But man, it's like it's like Katie said. Do you know who I am? And, and and that's who he is. I mean, that really is who he is. I I love the guy. I I love what he's about. I, I love you know what he says, and he just wants to keep getting better. I mean, he wants his team to win a championship. He's going to do everything in his power to do that. So I think the Suns got a got a great one. Tommy, I don't want to lead you in any direction on this, but do you think the Golden State Warriors want to play the Phoenix Suns in the first round? 
Well, I don't know if they want to play the Suns in the first round any more than the Suns want to play them in the first round. You know, I mean that's that's a team that and when I mentioned early early when we started talking, they're they're whole now. Mitchell Wiggins or Andrew Wiggins just came back. His father's Mitchell, and 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 I played with him. So maybe... <laughs> I knew I heard that name. Yeah, but before. Tommy, you know what? I, I listened to you talk like that, and yet, Bud, you know what it is. You're 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 a competitor. You're doing this at the highest level your species and our species can generate. Hey, bring it on. Isn't that the the attitude you want going in to the postseason? Absolutely. I mean, that's the attitude you want going in. But, man, wouldn't it be better to play them in the finals of the West? Yes. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, I just I just look at it like that. Um, I You know, I've said it on air. I, I don't really – I mean, I don't believe there's a team in the NBA that can beat this Suns team, you know, the way they're playing. I really don't. I mean, there's some really good teams, and this year they've talked all about the, the East, but – now that the Lakers are healthy, the Clippers uh, would be healthy in the playoffs because Paul George comes back, and the Golden State Warriors, those three teams are going to be what five, six, seven, and uh, and 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 then they they haven't been you know they haven't been whole this year, nor have the Suns for that part. Or the Suns would be much higher than the fourth slot. So the West the West is going to be tough because there's teams with experience, there's teams that have these teams, these super teams, if you will. And if those teams are healthy, good things can happen. But that being said, a couple of years ago, we played the Lakers when they said, okay, well, now they're healthy and they're going to win the championship, and we smoked them. You know, so yeah. I, I, I worry a little bit about, about Golden State and, and what they can do. Steph Curry's just on a mission right now. They're playing really, really good basketball. I don't think I don't think they have much depth up front, but what they'll probably do is put Andrew Wiggins at center and Draymond Green at center and go small so the Suns will have to match up with them. Talking to Tom Chambers, uh, Tom, you know, the three regular season games left, maybe you can't work this stuff out in those. Maybe it, it doesn't happen until the playoffs. But is there anything you see with this team that you still think they do need to improve to really go on this run? Well, campaign needs to come with it. Yeah. And Landry Shaman hasn't made a shot, or nor has Terrence Ross in the last few games. So those three guys, I mean, you know, they're a luxury. But I, I just think that campaign brings so much to the table when he's when he's or spot on and he hasn't been spot on this year but like four or five times so Monty sat him last game and maybe that will inspire him to come out and, and do what he does because he just I mean he's turbo he's the guy that pushes the ball up the court and this Suns team when they're running you know the fast break getting easy baskets he's at the helm and and uh, he can he can certainly do that and change the pace for this team so they're not just walking it up with Chris Paul all the time. I just think that he could he could meet, be a difference maker for him. We're talking to the legend Tom, Changeber, uh, Tom Chambers here on the Wolf and Luke Show. Um, Tommy, talk to me a little bit about um, how you would play the Phoenix Suns because, to me, I think if I'm playing the Suns, I'm going to be really, really physical. How about you? Well, I, I don't think the Suns are a physical team. I think they've, they're getting better at that. But you know what? Not being physical, but they don't really take stuff off anybody. I mean, K- KD is, is real thin, and yet he ain't taking nothing, and Devin isn't, and Chris Paul isn't. So I, I believe they're tough enough in that category. But as far as being really physical, you know, they're getting better at that. I think they can continue to improve. DA can continue to improve. He just he fights with, the, if I do that, I'm going to get in foul trouble. I need to be out there on the court. That's what he fights with. But, you know, I think being tough mentally is about as, tough, as good as being tough physically because 
this this the NBA now will you you, you look at somebody and and you may get a flagrant two and be gone for a week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just no. it's just it's just weird, you know. So you've got to you've got to stand up for your beliefs. You've got to fight for boards. You've got to fight on defense. The Suns are doing a much better job of that as of late, but. It's not like in the old days where if a guy went to the basket, you just took him out. <laughs> you know, I mean that was the right, that was right. the solution. And sometimes, sometimes they'd even call a foul. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Tom. Uh, there was a talking point after the game for Monty Williams and even Chris Paul. You know, that was a game where Chris Paul just shot more and he hits his shots. Do you think that's something we may see more of in the playoffs since KD's here now too? Well, he needs to keep people honest. Chris will be the first to admit that to you. And the Suns had struggled in the first quarter, and Chris is the smartest guy in the NBA. I mean, he he knows the Suns have been struggling in the first quarter. He was going to make sure that problem went away, and he started making shots. I mean, I don't think, and I haven't. I don't know. Everything can be queued up on a computer now, but he only had three assists in 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 thirty three minutes. I mean, how how many times has he only had three assists in thirty minutes in the NBA? Probably never. Yeah. But. He did it for the sake of the team. I mean, he really did. If he keeps his guy honest and they can't leave off of him, then, oh, my gosh, who are you going to leave? Really? I mean, who are you going to leave on this team? I mean, there's just so many weapons out there. Then they pass the ball around. Even though he didn't, he only had three assists, the team still had 25. You know, there was like six guys with three assists. So the things are being done out there. But Chris understands the game, knows what he needs to do. And if he's knocking down that open three, oh, my goodness, that's just another huge weapon. You know, how's the ranch, Tommy? Everything okay? Everything's drying out finally, Wolf. I had some, I had some mucky stalls, and I couldn't wear my Crocs out here. I actually had to put some muck boots on for a while, you know. So, but everything's good. Too many animals. I'm, I'm really good at buying and really bad at selling. So it's, it's getting, it's getting full, it's, it's getting filled up out here, you know. All right, my brother. Thank you so All much, Tommy. Right, Appreciate it. All right. It's Tom Chambers joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Really good at buying, not really good at selling. Yeah, he's just collecting animals. That's great. Uh, all right, win lower-level tickets to tomorrow's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Just text BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Again, that's BASEBALL to 620-620. All right, there's been a lot made about how Will Anderson could be a perfect fit for the Cardinals. What about the Cardinals being the best fit for Will Anderson? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number three. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. Okay, Wolf, I got a couple things here for you. Courtesy of NFL.com. Okay. On, uh, on Will Anderson. I know you like to talk about Will Anderson. Okay, so there's a couple at least new twists on this. First of all, uh, th- this one quickly. I, I just, let me just say this quickly. As a guy that is 60 years old, Basinonians, and a brawler, former brawler, <laughs> I just want to hug Will Anderson for how he plays the game of football. This Wait. is a football player, and that's the reason why I'm in the danger zone. I'm Will Anderson. You can do that on Big Red Rage if they draft him. That's the plan, right? Yeah. Okay. There you go. So here's a couple things. I'll, I'll start with this uh, smaller one. This was on NFL.com, and they were just going through uh, five round one trades that would make sense. Okay. okay. Now, we all we all know that a Cardinals-Colts trade would make sense, but this is what I was alluding to earlier. They put an actual like value to the pick, okay? So you tell me how you feel about this. Yeah. Cardinals pick in third, figure two quarterbacks off the board with the first two picks. All right, so the Cardinals are going to trade down one spot. And in re- return, 
So the Colts get the number three pick. The Cardinals get the number four pick and number 79 overall and number 106 overall and a Colts third rounder from next year. Okay, so I get all that to get the player I want anyway? Yes. That's so good right there. <laughs> do I see that happening? Yes, I do. Doesn't that kind of seem like a I, lot? I, I, it does seem like a lot, but again, it's not just moving up to number three to get the best player in the draft. It's moving up to number three to get a franchise quarterback. But, you know, you're right, and that, that is the biggest part of that this. That changes everything. But this is where the NFL is so weird, right? If you're the, if you're the Colts, you know the Cardinals are not even giving anything up because they're still going to get their player. Yeah. And in this scenario, you're going to give them, in addition to your pick, you're going to give them the 79th pick, the 106th right. pick, and, and a third rounder next year. Meanwhile, the Cardinals can't get anything for a receiver <laughs> that's going into the yeah. Hall of Fame and is still at least on the back end of his prime. Yes, exactly. But that's because of the contract situation and whether or not Hop is willing to play along with the Arizona Cardinals in regard to a possible trade and talking to the team that might actually trade for him and saying, hey, listen, okay, what do you want to how do you want to restructure my deal? What do you want to do? How much do you want to pay me? See, that's the problem. That is the problem. I so on the D hop. Exactly, it is on the D hop trade. But having said this, the the best news about this is the fact that again, the Indianapolis Colts have no choice. If they <laughs> if they truly want one of these franchise quarterbacks, even if it was Will Levis, even if it was. Honestly, right now, what if somebody else wants Will Levis and they know somebody else likes him and they want to move up to number three to get him right there? It's just the Colts are in a really bad spot if they want one of these quarterbacks. I mean want them as in oh, my Yes. How many games were the Colts ahead of the Cardinals? Like, I need to go back and look and see if they won a couple meaningless games late in the season that they're probably like, man, now because we won that game, we're going to have to trade all this stuff yeah. to the Cardinals to get our player. Okay, he did it better. That thing creeps the dude me out did it time. better Boy, than I did. Okay, I get the it. The actual actor, or I don't know, whatever that thing is. What is that Gullum. thing? Yeah, but what is it? What do you mean? It's- like, what is he? He's um. He's he's not a golem, is he? Yeah, he, no, is. he is. I don't he's, think he's, that's accurate. Well, his name is Gollum. Yeah, yeah but you aren't what your name is necessarily. Yeah, yeah that's. I, I By that logic, you would be an actual wolf. Yes. Okay. What is your point? <laughs> what exactly are you saying so, right now? Cynthia Freeland has a story up on NFL.com as well. Okay, and she went through pro comparisons and then the best team fits for the top edge rushing prospects. So she yeah. went through a few of these. So like here, I'll throw another one. A Tyree Wilson. Okay. Her her uh, her comp is Carlos Dunlap. She says the best uh, team fit would be the Falcons. Okay, not it's not it's not a mock draft. It's not based on where they're drafting. It's just what would be the best fit for the player. <laughs> What's the criteria on that? I don't know. Okay, for there's the player, a lot. Do you okay, want me to read it? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, as soon as I said it, I was re- I was remorseful that I did. <laughs> Okay, so that's the theme of this show like three days a week. Forget about that. Uh, But for Will Anderson, her pro comparison is Khalil Mack and her best team fit for Will Anderson is the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) Okay, so we're thinking why that is based on earnings, why that might be with Will Anderson. Well, it's because he plays the edge first and foremost. Yeah, but these guys are all edge guys. Yeah, the Cardinals have had uh, some issues on the edge. 
um, Junkyard Dog. Everyone knows my affinity and affection for Junkyard Dog, but Marcus Golden isn't going to go out there and get you 15 sacks. Um, he's, he's just not that type of guy. He's an excellent NFL edge player, in my opinion. But if he if you want a guy that has a lot of flash, that's not your guy. He's going to be more mundane. He's going to go about his business. He's not going to necessarily get you beat, but he's not going to win games for you either. Will Anderson wins games. Couple of the lines from uh, from Cynthia Freeland's piece. She says, "I know Mac is a lofty comp as a former NFL Defensive Player of the Year, but Anderson has the highest floor in this class and and the best odds of providing a Mac like impact on the game." And then later, she points out that uh, if the Cardinals took Will Anderson, that puts him in a position where he has an extremely high chance of being the foundational piece of Jonathan Gannon's pass rush and run stopping strategies. And see the and like run-stopping yes. strategies. Uh, and That's then, because of the football player that he is. Well, and then we had uh, Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst, on the show earlier today. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one, too, that interview, if you missed it. And he told us a lot about Will Anderson as well. When Will Anderson played in the bowl game this year, that told me everything I needed to know. I, yep. and so we even go back the year before that, when Alabama lost in the CFP, and Bryce Young and Will Anderson are sitting on the podium when Nick said, and they go to get up, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These two are this program, and they're underclassmen, and he's talking about, like, they define what this program means and who we are, but when that dude played in the bowl game this year, it was like, all right, that is everything you want from a football character, from a personality character. Like, he checks every box for me, so I am a, a huge, huge fan of his. The great thing about what he just said right there is if the Arizona Cardinals bring him into that locker room, Will Anderson, even as a young guy, I think Will Anderson is going to have an intangible impact on that locker room and the players around him. This is a guy that I think J.G., Jonathan Gannon, would love to have modeling the new culture of the Arizona Cardinals. The new culture that is not only going to take over the locker room, but the organization. I think Will Anderson is that guy to model that. See... I don't think that's being talked about enough because if you're talking about the trade we just laid out that they had on NFL.com, you trade down with the Colts and you get a bunch of more picks and you still get Will Anderson, that's a no-brainer. But when you start to talk about are you going to trade down to 11 and get you know more third-rounders in two years or whatever, is this not a team that could use some good intangibles right now? Yes. Like, And I don't mean to put all that pressure on a guy right out of college who hasn't even been drafted by the Cardinals, but... A lot of people seem to feel that way with what you just said. And so in addition to everything he does on the field, man, you need pieces like yeah. that to build around right now because you just don't have a lot right yeah. now. Here, here's the great thing about what you just said. I'm not disagreeing with what you said, Lou, but you said you know you, you put a lot of pressure on a guy. You know That's the best thing about Will Anderson. There is no pressure. He just needs to be himself. Just go out and be yourself, who you are every day. The way that you are as a person, as a football player, just go out and be who you are. That's good enough. There is no pressure. Just be who you are, dude. And that's good enough. I feel like, Wolf, you're not sold on Will Anderson yet. So I'm going to replay this cut from Matt Miller when he joined us earlier today. To me, he's the best player no matter what. Like, regardless of position, the best player in the draft. And I I actually like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud a lot. But I think Will Anderson is the guy in this class. It's funny because 
Um, you know, even like at ESPN, we haven't talked a lot about Will Anderson in the last month and a half because we've been so enamored with the quarterback situation of how's this all going to shake out. And we've, I think we've kind of forgotten that Will Anderson was the best player in college football the last two years. He probably should have won the Heisman in 2021. He was that good. Um, so I, I think Will is going to be fantastic. Matt, I would say producers, of course. That's the reason why you're talking about C.J. Stroud. And <laughs> That's another shot of Bryce producers. Young. Do you think Aaron doesn't hear you? What, what do you mean? You're taking shots of producers Aaron again. so much more than producers. Oh, wow. Okay. Of Who's course. Aaron? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, he said Aaron. That's why I said it oh, right there. Yeah. But you get my point, right? Yeah, I do. Of course. Actually, I do somehow. After <laughs> all of that, I, I did actually get your point. All right, uh, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. The Coyotes only have about a week left uh, in their season. We're going to talk to their head coach, Andre Turney. They're just hanging out in Seattle, by the way, for the entire week. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf and Luke. And the Coyotes in Seattle for a while. Played them for the first time all season on Monday. They'll play them again in Seattle on Thursday. So they're just in Seattle. And their head coach, Andre Turney, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, as he does every Wednesday at this time. Coach, thanks for the time. How is uh, how's Seattle? <laughs> Seattle is good so far. So I think it was good to have a, a good day off tomorrow. It was pretty nice outside. I think it was uh, good mentally to have that day. So, Bear, you got four games left. What can be accomplished in those four games? Well, I think it's as weird as it sounds. We still have uh, a few guys we're, we're trying to uh, evaluate in the sense of uh, we, we try different things. We'll try different line combo. We'll try different power play unit. That, that is one thing. And the other thing in terms of for us, the player, the coaches, we want to finish strong. We want to finish uh, on the right away. I think we had a, a tough weekend last weekend at home, and I'm not happy about that. I think last game here, was, I don't think we played that bad. I think the score is no good, but uh, if you look the way, the pace of the game, we generate good offense. We had more ozone possession than them, and there were a lot of things where went well. Our special team were not good enough. We had too many penalty, and we needed we needed a little bit more stop to to help us. But I don't think the, the scores are a reflect of the game. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because you're in this weird spot where you're playing Seattle three out of five times. So to have a score like that, which you really haven't had this year, do you do you tell your guys they have to change a bunch, or do you just kind of say, all right, just Keep doing what you're doing right. It's going to be a lot better on Thursday. That's what we, we, we came back today, showed them a few things of things we did right, things we want to tweak. We had a good practice, work on certain things. And tomorrow we'll have other, other things where uh, we uh, we want to be careful or we want to take advantage. You know, the, the fact we played three games out of, out of four against uh, Seattle give us a chance to to approach that and get better every day and to approach that a little bit like a playoff series where you play the same opponent in a row, you can get better as a team and you can get more detail and know exactly what to expect in every situation. So, Bear, as a coach, what did you learn from this team this season, if anything? Oh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I think it's just a tough question to answer, but 
Hello, individually and some player, uh, build some relationship in a, in a certain way. I think because it's tough to 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 a summary of the season because you have guys like Barrett Tutan who went through really good camp, tough tough stretch of the season, really tough time mm-hmm. to get going, and then a second stretch, a second half he played really good. So so I think there's there's a lot of peak and valley during a season, and you, you, uh, with experience as a player. Your peak, your hopefully your valley are shorter and your peak are higher. You know what I mean? It's not. I think when you're uh, like, say, your 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 peak are, are good, but your valley lasts for too long. So I think with experience, your slum are shorter and shorter, and you've been through that before. And you've been through adversity before, and you know how to react to, to those things. So uh, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, we we learn a lot. We have a lot of young guys. We try to talk to them about how it is to go through all the, all those peak and valley during the season, and how to be resilient, staying with it, not being tipped to to get better at it. We're talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Turney. Uh, you know, coach, it's it's. I think it's easy for fans to look at your forward group and see how guys have evolved, especially Barrett Hayton, but Matthias Michelli and even Clayton Keller. Uh, and you can look down and you know in the in the system and see Logan Cooley's a Hobie Baker finalist. So you see more helps on the way. It's not always so obvious on defense, and you guys lost some key pieces there at the trade deadline. How do you feel about this group's defense going forward? Yeah, I think we. If you look at the beginning of the season, and I will have to tell you, uh, Yusuf Alamaki will be the defenseman he is today. You will have to be probably surprised, or you you may have looked at me like if I had two heads, kind of like, what, what is he talking about? So, so who's this guy? So that's the guy. Same thing last year for, for G.J. Moser. You know, nobody knew him, and he came up in the second half of the season and was really good for us. So, so th- th- there's prospects who are in our system, the guys we draft or guys who play in in, uh, in Tucson who, who will help down the road. We have guys like Mackey. We we, we acquired the, the trade deadline who's getting more and more comfy. So so it takes a little bit of time sometimes for, for players to show their, their real potential. Again, Ike Vanamaki. Uh, so uh, I think we need to be patient, but uh, certainly that that's, that evaluation we're doing right now we will need to have. Do we need help from the outside on the back end? That's that's what we will need to 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 ask to assess and to have a good read on it. So that's why a lot of guys, a guy like Soda uh, Soderstrom, is coming with us uh, in the last stretch of the season. He, he's doing he's doing re- really good. So a little bit like Valley and Modin in the past. So uh, I, I learned that from Hall of Famer. You had two players in your team, you change your team. You know, if you think you're not tough enough, you had two tough players, and whoops, suddenly you're a tough team. You're, you're, you're not fast. You had you two uh, fast players, whoops, suddenly you're a team with speed. So so it can change quickly. Sometimes you're one or two player away to change uh, your dynamic as a team. Did Clayton Keller establish a new level of play for himself this year, Bear? I agree. Yes, absolutely he did. I think he, he proved himself with kind of part. But what I like about Keller is he still have room. In my opinion, still have room. He still have room to grow as a player. So it's exciting for me to 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 to, to, uh, to have conversation with him and knowing full well his mindset is always that way. He always want to be better. He, he's never satisfied. He knows in, in pro sport, it's either you get better or you get worse. 
and he definitely to be he wants to be on the right side of it. So uh, it's exciting. Talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Turney, uh, Bear, this is more just of, a, I guess, a coaching philosophy because it doesn't matter for this season. But where do you come out on, on, on a team needing to have a captain, like an official captain wearing the C? Because you obviously don't have one right now. Uh, for me, it's, it's uh, having a captain or not captain, there's no, it's not one or better than the other. I think if, if there's a captain, you, you, it's obvious everybody needs to know that the, the fans know, that the owner know, the management know, the coach know, the player know. It, it has to be unanimous. If not, it's a committee. It's a, it's a leadership group. There's team who have no captain who has unbelievable leadership. So I don't think a captain in, in 2023 is needed. You need to have leaders. You need to have guys where the guys can lean on, go at those guys. But it doesn't have. It's not a letter who makes you a captain. If you're a captain, you're a captain. Mm. It's not because you have a C or you have an A on your jersey who makes you a, a better or worse leader. So for me, it's always been my mentality. We have great leadership. This we had great leadership last year. Our young leader grew a lot this year, and I see nothing negative in that. And I don't see if we have a C, we we had a C or if. In the future, with Odyssey, I don't. I don't think it would be better. I don't think it would be worse. I think it's just a matter of doing what's right at the right time. Well said, Bear. Thank you for your time as always, Thank man. You, good Bear. luck tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Okay, right. man. You too. That's uh, Coyotes head coach Andre Turney right there joining us from Seattle. It's the final schedule quirk for the Coyotes this year. Twenty of twenty-four on the road to start the year, and you're playing a ton of back-to-backs, and then you end the season. Playing Seattle, they just played Seattle on Monday for the first time all year, and yeah. they still have to play them two more times. And the season ends on Thursday next. Yeah, Thursday. four games left, and they've lost eight in a row. That that's been tough. Yeah, this is a tough way to finish. And and it didn't feel like that until like the last two games, and then the last couple games uh, we're starting to feel that way. All right, we come back. Final segment of the show. Uh, Tom Chambers actually brought this up earlier. Campaign. Didn't play last night. And mm-hmm. Monty Williams did explain why. We'll get you that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Final segment of the show. Live from the Auction Community Studios, it is Wolf and Luke. But we've had a, had a lineup of guests today, Wolf. Now that I'm looking back, yeah. Matt Miller yeah. gave us some really good draft insight. Matt Miller. Really good draft yes. insight, actually, today. Uh, Mike Sando on talking about the story from The Athletic and obviously the Cardinal stuff. Mike Hazen. Hazen was great. Fantastic. He took a few shots at you, too. On of the, course. On the way out and also during the interview. But he also, if you missed it, basically told us Dre Jameson is the guy right now if, if a starter goes down. Now, yeah. that will change. But right now, that's why they're kind of trying to keep him stretched out. Um, and then Tom Chambers. Tom and, Chambers. I can actually say his Chambers, too. Interesting. I had a hard time with that. <laughs> Chambers. Tom Chambers. You, you did. You, I think yeah. you called him like Changers just, or something. Yeah, it was something weird. Uh, and then we just had Bear on, obviously, to talk Coyotes. They have four games left in their season. But going back to Tom Chambers for a second, yeah, we were talking about what they could potentially still work on in these final few games. Or, you know, even even if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, what, what needs to be better? 
to actually win a best of seven series against Golden State or to win three or four best of seven series and get to or win the finals. And this is what he said. Well, campaign needs to come with it. Yeah. And Landry Shaman hasn't made a shot or nor has Terrence Ross in the last few games. So those three guys, I mean, you know, they're a luxury, but I, I just think that campaign brings so much to the table when he's, when he's, or spot on, and he hasn't been spot on this year, but like four or five times. So Monty sat him last game, and maybe that will inspire him to come out and, and do what he does because he just, I mean, he's turbo. He's the guy that pushes the ball up the court, and this Suns team, when they're running, you know, the fast break, getting easy baskets, he's at the helm, and, and uh, he, can, he can certainly do that and change the pace for this team so they're not just walking it up with Chris Paul all the time. I just think that he could, he could meet, be a difference maker for him. So did you read that the way I read that, listening to Tom Chambers talk about that, that Monty sat him down purposely? Yeah, and here, I don't even have to read into it because Monty Williams explained it after the game. No, he's fine. Um, it's just a, de- a decision that I made to try to do something else with that second group. Um, defensively, having bigger guys out there. The other part is putting the ball in Book's hands a little bit and letting him you know, play point and, and orchestrate. So it's just something that we're looking at. So there was no kind of message that Damani was trying to send to campaign at all. I, I mean, he sent me a message. I was <laughs> trying to. Well, he was, he sent me one. I'm a little I'm just nervous saying about right this. now. Yeah, I, I, if I was campaign in that situation, and anybody who has listened to the show, you know, I'm a big fan of campaign. Really, really love his play. Love his game. Um, needs to play more under control. But if I'm campaign, I'd be asking Monty about that. What what's going on? What exactly are you doing? And and maybe, maybe this is the reminder that campaign needs going into the postseason. It is it, at times it almost sounds ridiculous saying it, but Tom Chambers just said it, so I feel like I can say it. Um, campaign's really important to where they want to go this season. A guy that was that was a coach's decision DNP last night in a game where they clinched a playoff spot and, and a top four spot officially, and he didn't play. Right. And a team that has Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, campaign is still very important in case something happens to Chris Paul, or Chris yeah. Paul just has a night where he, whatever. We've seen, we saw it happen last year. We've seen it happen the year before. Chris Paul missed a couple games. Campaign was huge. Yeah. Um, but to me, that decision last night, what Monty just said right there, will give Book a chance to bring the ball up. Dude, books books had seven years of bringing the ball up. He knows how to do it. That, to me, sounds like uh, we need another option other than campaign just in case. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah. But I, or campaign, I'd be playing 48 minutes these you final know, three for, games. I know. For, for me right now, it seemed like the perfect opportunity, maybe the last opportunity for Monty Williams to send a message in the regular season before going into the postseason. This is just me. Play along with me. Okay. But you know me. I am Conspiracy the grassy knoll. Okay. I, I right. am. Forget about being on the grassy knoll. I am the grassy knoll. So having said that, um, did the did the Suns still have something to play for last night? Yes. Yeah. What was that? And that would be home court in the first round. Home of the court in the first round of the playoffs right there. So they had something to play for. But at the same time. Did the Suns? Did they need campaign to beat the Spurs? No, they didn't. And had they no, lost they last night, they could still get home court if they right, won tomorrow. Right. Yeah. But even the, the thought of sitting campaign 
I don't, I don't see your odds of losing to the Spurs skyrocketing because you said campaign. No. I don't see. So this actually meant something to sit him down. It's not going to really hurt your chances of winning the game, but it meant something. It was your last opportunity, maybe, to have something mean something to a player. And I think that's the perfect opportunity to sit him down, get his attention, really jerk the chain. Right now, you've secured the number four seed. What if he does that the next game or two games from now, sits him down? Do you think he's going to get the same impact? No. I don't think Monty would get the same impact from campaign. And and he did it in such a way where it's not like Chris Paul had to play 44 minutes last night. Chris Paul played 33. And he played, he had a great game. But he didn't put Chris Paul at risk while sitting campaign. But to your point, now you've sent the message and you could feasibly, you still have three games that you can kind of work things out and see what campaign does in these three games, because there isn't anything on the line for the Suns. I, I'm going to be very interested to see how much he plays in these final three games. Because if he's just still sitting the rest of the way, which yeah. I don't think will be the case, but if yeah. he is, then you're not going to see him in the playoffs. Because we've already talked about how they have too many players to fit into a nine or a nine-and-a-half man, as Monty Williams said, rotation. It just kind of feels like um, campaign, campaign has... This has been a bit of an issue in the second half of the season, a little bit. Campaign and his play and how big and how important his minutes. Remember how his minutes got totally slashed at one point. Um, You have to wonder, again, if this is happening where you've got Monty sitting him down, purposely sitting him down so he'll, he'll get the message and he's using it as a coaching tool. Boy, that tells me that he has had multiple conversations, multiple conversations with campaign about this very thing in his game and getting it back. I could be dead wrong on that, but if in fact you're using this, if it is being used as a coaching ploy or tactic, that tells me he's had many, many conversations well, with him. Even if you're not intentionally trying to send a message by doing it, you know full well, as Monty Williams, that a message is being sent, right? There's no way the campaign, who is expected to be a big part of the second level of this team in the playoffs, sitting an entire game when he's healthy, that that's not going to send a message, at least a campaign, some sort of message. So to your point, if you weren't talking about it, now you probably do need to talk about it no, and go to Cam. Yeah, so honestly, I feel like he's probably already had many they conversations. If, you, if you're to the point where you're like, you're going to sit down, I'm going to sit you down in a game that actually means something to us, but I know we're going to win. I'm going to sit that. How do you feel about that? Because we've already had multiple conversations. I'm just, it's the way coaching and players and the relationship, the coaching-player relationship works. Uh, this also from Tom Chambers when he joined us earlier this hour. And I don't believe there's a team in the NBA that can beat this Suns team, you know, the way they're playing. I really don't. I mean, there's some really good teams, and this year they've talked all about the, the East, but now that the Lakers are healthy, the Clippers uh, would be healthy in the playoffs, Paul George comes back, and the Golden State Warriors, those three teams are going to be what? Five, six, seven? And uh, and 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 then they, they haven't been, you know, they haven't been whole this year, nor have the Suns for that part, or the Suns would be much higher than the fourth slot. So the West, the West is going to be tough because there's teams with experience. There's teams that have these 
teams, these super teams, if you will. And if those teams are healthy, good things can happen. But that being said, a couple years ago, we played the Lakers when they said, okay, well, now they're healthy and they're going to win the championship and we smoke them. You know, so yeah. I, I, I worry a little bit about, about Golden State and, and what they can do. Steph Curry's just on a mission right now. They're playing really, really good basketball. I don't think they have much depth up front, but what they'll probably do is put Andrew Wiggins at center and Draymond Green at center and go small so the Suns will have to match up with them. I'll, I'll say what I've been saying, Wolf. Whoever the Suns play in the first round of the playoffs, I expect the Suns to beat them. Uh, but but I, I do think there are teams that can beat the Suns in a seven-game series, but that list isn't very long. It's Milwaukee. It's Golden State right now. Those are about the only two teams where I would think. I, you know, I know. And, but I'm honestly, with you on that. If, even if they, if they play Golden State in the first round, I, I feel pretty pretty good about the Suns. I do. I, but so Golden State and, and Milwaukee, if you told me, hey, the Suns aren't winning the title this year, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's one of those two teams that take yeah. them out. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I also asked Tom Chambers about that very thing in regard to the Suns playing the Golden State Warriors and how the Warriors might actually try to play the Suns. I, I do. I, I think they're going to be very, very physical. I think any team that plays the Suns is going to poke and jab and test their physicality or lack thereof. We're going to see. I mean, we are, first of all, you're missing your... Uh, your eighth inning replay up here on, of the oh, D-backs game. So, here it is. Man. <laughs> we're going to lose Wolf here shortly. But uh, no, look, it's um, we're going to see. we got three games left here. We're finally, it feels like the season has been going on forever. It feels like the the soundbite of DeAndre Ayton saying Monty Williams hasn't talked to me all summer. It feels <laughs> like that was like 15 years ago. It does. And it was only, what, six months ago? But we are finally almost back to that point. And, and the other development to come out of that game last night was Chris Paul having the game he had as a shooter. And you wonder if that's something that I mean, it's certainly something the Suns want to see more of in the yeah. playoffs because it, it, it's a it's an option now. Yeah, especially, too. It's going to be interesting to see how other teams defend the Phoenix Suns in the postseason, especially Devin Booker, of course, and Kevin Durant, those two guys right there. Is it going to leave the middle of the floor open a lot more? And when I say that, the pick and roll, I think, of with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton as well. The, the relief in terms of pressure that Kevin Durant is providing for Chris Paul, I think we'll see in the playoffs. And also D.A., there hasn't been a whole lot of, of, of frustration aimed at D.A. since Kevin Durant started playing. Now, I'm knock on wood, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that nothing can go wrong there, but I'm just saying in general, the Suns aren't so D.A. dependent now. They're not yeah. so dependent on Chris Paul to be perfect. Which is what happens when you add a Hall of Famer midseason. All right, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.